Interesting. A record player that produces beautiful sound and pictures through my TV. What is it called? Ah, Magnavision. Gourmet video for people who know and love video. I see. The system consists of this Magnavision optical video disc player, a laser vision video disc, and my TV. This single wire. Ah, oh. by connecting this wire to the antenna input on the TV set, the player becomes operable. At first glance, this player, excuse me, Magnavision, gives the appearance of a highly stylized record player. However, I notice the absence of a stylus or needle, an optical laser scanner, and Magnavision was the first consumer product in our galaxy to use it. Now that is an entirely new dimension in entertainment. the Cinematic Void Podcast. Cinematic Void is a cult film series that hosts screenings in the Los Angeles area as well as virtually. I'm your host, Jim Branscombe, and joining me as always is... Oh, you can't use your podcast voice when I'm testing the volume, Jim? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> now you're... Oh, now you're talking in the mic like a person? God damn it. <laughs> Seriously, dude. <laughs> it's normal. I've been trying to test the mic the whole time. I'm like, why is it this way? And now... Hey, it's Nick Vance, Parent Futures on social media. You, you can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at cinematicvoid.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. If you want to support The Void, you should probably consider joining our Patreon. What's going on, Jim? I feel like we podcast so much now that we don't even have anything to talk about. <laughs> we actually don't. I mean, when we were like once a month or whatever or at least it, I mean, I mean, more so, I mean, in our personal lives. Yeah. Not so much like, you know. We could fit. There's a billion things we could talk about if we're talking about film culture. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like it's it's been a quiet week, so we're just gonna go ahead and jump into the topic. Uh, we teased this in the last episode. We're gonna talk about you know, I, I would say Blu-ray, but let's just say physical media, kind of collecting and and for me, kind of a little bit of burnout because. As we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about, you know, things that, you know, have changed in the collecting of movie culture. That's kind of like, it actually kind of mirrors what's going on with vinyl and records now in a way that it wasn't before. Actually, bigger point, what I feel like is happening now with Blu-rays and like the 4K disc and the slipcovers and all that shit reminds me of the 90s comic book boom. Because you remember when all those comic books had like foil covers or die cut covers and like all this fancy shit to sell more. So we're going to just kind of look at where things are now. Cause I've seen online and various places, people's thoughts on it. And 
part of this is also inspired by the French connection stuff we talked about, because a lot of people that like, this is why you own physical media and don't just have things on streaming kind of people. Like I think they're archivists and like, you know, we can get into why like that's maybe a little accurate, but also very inaccurate. But I guess let's just talk about like, you know, I have Blu-rays, you have Blu-rays and you are very picky about what you get for Blu-ray, right? I'd say that's fair. I, I I go a little crazy sometimes, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty picky. I try to maybe buy like one a week. Really, I try to keep it at a. I don't, I don't know. I try to as a as a person who's always had that collector mentality, like with records and with, just with anything. Maybe started with baseball cards, garbage pail kids, whatever the fuck, right? But uh, yeah, now I sold all my records and here I am buying Blu-rays. Um, but yeah, I try to be picky just so that I don't amass. I mean, like, where am I gonna put them? I don't know. And they don't even fit on my shelf, right? It gets on my fucking nerves. I need. <laughs> it's just. It's an. I don't know. It's annoying. It's. It's a little more annoying to collect than records were. I think. But. <laughs> I mean. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm glad when I was at like when I was at my worst with collecting records, I was definitely coming home with between like thirty and fifty, a, a week. Really. I mean, I worked at a record store, so it was like really easy to just come home with a ton. Uh. But uh, yeah, I, I can't do that with Blu-rays, man. I mean, it be for me, I collected records. Obviously, I never had baseball cards. Definitely had Garbage Pail Kids. Um, I'm trying to think of other studies, but I had VHS. I had a ton of VHS for mm-hmm. a while. Got rid of that when DVDs came around. Um, was very resistant to moving on the Blu-ray for a long time. I adopted it way late. I think hmm. maybe like in the 2010s. Um, I remember the first Blu-ray I bought when Shout Factory put out The Fog. I was like, all right, I don't know why The Fog was the thing that like made me want to get a Blu-ray and a Blu-ray player, but that was it. And I don't know. I the the thing that happened is like, you know, I there was I probably had a problem and I was buying too much shit. And there's the collector collector mentality in it. And like I saw it kind of happen with vinyl and records. Where like, you know, when we used to buy records, like there were we're gonna sound old saying this. They're like eight, it was. It was actually cheaper to get it on record than CD for a very long time, mm-hmm. and obviously that's not the case anymore. But you know, it's I think color vinyl and like the things that like are now attached to a lot of records that make them collectible. I guess is happening to Blu-rays now, and like you know, limited press runs that kind of stuff. But you know, I would I was buying a lot of Blu-rays and. You know, a couple things happened. You know, one, I moved from where I was at, and I didn't have the space for a massive movie collection, so I got rid of half. Actually, I got rid of more than half. I probably got rid of, like, maybe two-thirds. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely had a lot. And, <laughs> But I was also buying stuff that, like, you know, I'm not going to name labels and all that because, like, I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging, but I would buy, like, you know, big packages and stuff like, oh, you have four releases. I guess I'll spend the two hundred bucks and get everything. I'm I'm assuming then at that point when you're when you're buying that much stuff and you're buying those big box sets. I mean, there's probably quite a few things that you don't even end up watching. Uh, I'm assuming that that's something that maybe people do when they're just buying that many fucking blue. You know, I, oh, if I'm coming home with thirty records a week. I, maybe some of those don't get listened to. Oh, definitely. And like when you start buying movies, it's like, oh, I just got another four or five movies, and then you just put them on your watch pile and the watch pile really hasn't moved Yeah, because there's this thing, you got to have this thing. And then once you got, 
It's weird because I would get in times where like, man, I don't have anything to watch. Never mind, I had a fucking pile of movies that I had bought. And I just like, I didn't feel like watching any of stuff. When I bought them, I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I can't wait to watch this shit. But then the second I got them, I was like, yeah, not in the mood. Yeah. And it just would keep happening. And it wasn't only like getting movies and just not watching them. It was getting things that I really didn't want. Well, you know, when when you feel like you have to have this isn't part of that just it's making sure that someone else doesn't <laughs> it in a way it is because when you see like limited edition slip cover like hand numbered or any of the bullshit that goes with like where blu-rays are now you're like oh i gotta have it. i gotta be the first one to get it. it's like oh mondo macabre has got this red slip covers gotta get one of those you know yeah and then it just it just hit me that like i'm buying stuff and like are you buying it to are you buying it to post on Instagram? You know what I mean? Like where, where's the, where's the clout coming from? Who's, what is it, what is it that you're trying to feed here? I, I think it's just like, or, and not just you. I mean, just, just in general, like what, what's that mentality? What, why, why do we do this to ourselves? I don't know. I, I think there is a clout thing because I've definitely posted like shit. I've gotten in the mail on the cinematic void Instagram or whatever and get fucking tons of likes. Yeah. So there is that clout aspect of it. But it was just like, I don't know, like moving out and moving into moving from like a thousand square foot fucking apartment to like a basically a hundred fifty foot square studio is very sobering. And you just realize, like, what am I going to do with all this shit? Well, also, I mean, definitely coming from the record side of it, uh, moving is something that will make you go like, fuck, I'm never doing this again. Let me just get rid of these fucking things. Yeah, I mean, when I when I moved out to California now, like almost 13, 14 years ago now, I went to our friend Tony in Celebrity Summer. I sold a good portion of my collection. I think I might have sold you some records, too. Yeah, it's likely. Yeah, just, I mean, I, I think I gave you dibs on certain, like, Power Violence and Grindcore records, and I took a shit ton to Tony. I t- sold almost all my CDs to Tony. Like, Tony got everything. Right on. And I kept a very, I kept, like, two, like, um you know, record, like, you know, those like steel protective cases. I kept two of them and yeah. whatever fit in there is what was my record collection. We had those DJ cases. Yeah. That's what they are. Cool. So that's what I, that's what I moved out here with. And then, you know, when I first moved to LA, I uh, went to Amoeba and there was a period of time when I was buying records. Cause like I made, a, so I'm going to backtrack here. So I had a, I had like thousands of fucking DVDs that I couldn't take with me. Because it was just stupid. So I left the cases behind, sorry, my parents, and got binders and just put the DVDs in the binders so it would have the majority of my movie collection. And just recently, like, you know, back in April, ended up throwing out most of those cases. I took some back, and, like, I sold some of the stuff. But the other stuff, it's like, it's not going to be worth any money. Mm. And also, it's just like, I can't. It would cost more to ship it than what I would get for it. So I still have a bunch of DVDs and binders that don't have cases. And if I ever upgrade them, I'm just going to toss the disc because that's just what it is. But like, you know, when I moved out here, I had all these fucking records and I made points like I'm not going to buy DVDs or Blu-rays when I first moved out here because like I have, you know, I have all the movies and like it just I don't know. It just didn't feel like it, but I kept buying records. Yeah. And then a few years ago, actually more than a few, probably six or seven years ago, I got in really a financial t- tight spot and I sold a bunch of my records and I've sold a lot of my Blu-ray collection. Nothing has hurt more than the fucking records I've sold. And as a movie guy, 
that might seem strange to people, but it's like I have more of attachment to those records and songs and that kind of shit than like any fucking movie. I've said before, I've worked at a record store for years and there's just the, and as a collector of many things, um, there's a big difference between Blu-rays and, and collecting records in terms of when it's time to, when it's time to sell your collection, dude, like fucking, you know, records that I've bought either the, the price now of them have gone way up which is kind of a problem uh, due to like discogs and record collecting has gotten like super weird over the years. And so it's kind of a, it's, it's kind of become a burden, but like, but anyway, the, the point is records either like hold their value of what you already paid for them when you, when you bought them initially, if it was like 20 bucks or 30 bucks when it first came out, or maybe even when you bought it used, like you'll find that it's worth triple that now, you know, a couple of years later or ten, five years later, 10 years later, it's, it's sought after. Um, Whereas I don't know, man, I, I, I found that like, you know, all the, all the, anytime I go to sell like the, any of the criterions that I bought, you know, surely like if I paid somewhere between 20 and 40 for them, I'm probably getting like 15 bucks a piece and that's selling to a, to a individual. If I'm taking it to just like sell them in bulk to at like, you know, Amoeba or like a used like Blu-ray, you know, like a rental spot or something, right? Like you're, you're not getting that. You might get like five a piece. Um, so I don't, I don't know, man, collecting, collecting shit is crazy. And I just don't, again, I still, I buy a lot, I buy way too many Blu-rays, but I know that I'm throwing money in a fucking hole. I'm really glad my record collection is gone. Well, I'm, I'm, I, uh, yeah, I, I feel that. And I, and there are a few things I'm sad about, but I think for the most part, I'm glad, I'm glad I, I was so attached, like the idea, the idea of getting rid of that record collection like, you know, six or seven years ago was insane. Mm-hmm. I never would have fucking done that when I needed to. I, I, I used, I basically sold my whole record collection and bought a car, um, which is sick. And I'm so, and, and it's sick to have a car instead of this fucking record. Fuck those records, dude. I don't need them. I don't, and fuck these Blu-rays. I'm not attached to any of this shit anymore. You can't be. I'm, I may be attached to some of my books and shit, but like at the same time, all that shit can go to, I don't know. That's how, that's how I feel lately. It's just, yeah, man, free flow, free flowing, dude. I fucking fuck all this shit. Who cares? You know, when I, you, when got, I, you gotta be, a, be a, just get up and fucking go in 30 seconds. Fuck it. Turn your back on all of it. I mean, what's, I, that, what's that quote from the fucking, some movie says some shit like that. Oh, oh, it's heat. <laughs> it's heat. Yeah. It's fucking, yeah. it's the Nero's character. in heat. Yeah. Even now I'm looking at like, you know, I still have two shelves of fucking movies and I'm like, do I even need these? Yeah. And so I guess what's happened now and like, you know, every Blu-ray label has like a monthly drop and it's not just like a title, it's multiple or it's a box set or it's a lot. And it's just like, there's people that like buy all of it. Yeah. And I don't fucking know how, because that's like, I mean, I get it, man. I, I too thought I was building a, a, a fucking punk rock museum or some shit. I don't know. What the fuck did I think I was doing? I mean, I mean, like 3,000 records. I mean, that that's the thing. It's like, what I, I guess it's just like, it's an impulsive need to have something and feel like you have something that someone else doesn't have or only a few people have. I, I feel it's like... A, it's a feeling of superiority. Yeah. I'm better than you because I have this fucking, this record that you can never get. 
or this I have this I have this version of this Blu-ray, which comes yeah, up to I tell you what I am. As much as I'll talk shit, I am kind of mad that the fucking slipcover version of Irreversible was gone. Dude, I didn't it was gone before I even heard that there was a new version coming out. Shit pisses me off, and and I and I wonder if me trying to tell everyone that they're idiots for collecting things is really just me being bitter <laughs> because I didn't get this particular Blu-ray I wanted. I mean, I didn't even you know, normally like when I mean this is through a Vinegar Syndrome partner label, Altered Innocence, mm-hmm. and like I didn't even know it came out. Like yeah. normally, just like there's a big deal, and it was just gone. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, they still have the standard edition. Your words was like that sucks. I don't want the standard edition. Yeah, I mean, they do the, and you know what. So that's part of this, right? Like I mostly buy Criterion, so I don't, I, you know, I certainly have a solid handful of things that are Criterion that have like subcovers and whatnot. But again, most of what I, most of what I buy doesn't have subcovers and I never have to worry about like the, there's some limited version. It's just, you know, it's just fucking Criterion releases. So I have a handful of things that have subcovers uh, that I bought semi-recently and, you know, when you take it out of the slipcover, the fucking artwork sucks. Like, it's like they do this shit on purpose. Like, the, only the slipcover looks cool, and the rest of it sucks ass. And that shit's annoying. So when I don't get the cover, when I don't get the slipcover that I want for Irreversible, and, like, the regular cover is whack, like, I, it's just annoying. Like, why? And it is slipcover. A slipcover is fucking stupid, dude. It's oh. stupid. I hate it. But it, it's, I hate it. <laughs> but it's it's very highly contested now, and like it's just like you know, there's people that will hit every time something comes out. They'll fucking buy the max they're allowed to buy, and they'll just sit and wait, and they'll fucking flip it on eBay. Yeah, like it, it, it's just like records. It's like all those Mondo posters and all that shit. It's just like this weird collector mentality that wasn't really into. I mean, Blu-ray collectors or movie collectors, they always collect shit. But it wasn't necessarily about like, oh, it comes in a slipcover. It's like, cool, I love this movie. I want to own a copy of it. Even if you're probably going to watch it maybe once and it's going to sit on a shelf or something like that. But it's just like there's this new collector mentality and people like, you know, it's like what's more important, the cardboard case that your Blu-ray's in or the actual fucking movie? And honestly, it's just like. We know the answer to that. It's the piece of cardboard. It's the piece of cardboard. But again, it it's way superior to the art that they use for the rest of it. And uh I mean it's fucking it's a fucking annoying sales tactic that they're using. I mean it's I mean, I don't know, dude. It the thing is like you want to sell them all. When when labels used to do like slip covers, I remember when like, you know, it was just it was just something. Like, you know, Shout Factory had slip covers, but it was just like it was basically whatever the cover art was and, you know, cardboard thing. And most people, some people threw them out or whatever. Yeah. And then like vinegar syndrome, when they started, who pretty much popularized like this fucking slip cover shit, um, they released a ton of shit, not in slip covers. And then they just started implementing it and it just kind of took off. And right. like, the thing is when you put something in like this gorgeous fucking art, you know, slip cover thing, like it could be a fucking C or D grade movie. Like, and I'm not talking about like, you know, as genre, I'm just saying the movie is fucking dog shit. And it's like, literally you're polishing a turd by putting it in the slip cover. You're like, Oh, I got to have this because of the slip cover. And it's like, the movie's not good. I mean, I understand why they're doing it because they're trying to make money by selling it. And if putting a fucking dollar or $2 piece of fucking cardboard on it sells more units, of course you're going to fucking do it. 
Yeah. You know, it only makes sense. But like, you know, they would have these packages where you just get everything they're releasing for that month. But then like, and then they have also have their partner labels and all this stuff. So like at any given time, vinegar syndrome and between itself and its partner labels and it's a little, even sub labels within it, putting out like, I don't know, like 10 plus fucking Blu-rays a month. Mm -hmm. And there's people to buy them all. And just like, I could never keep up with that. And I, you know, even before I moved, I started getting selective because it's like, wow, it's cheaper if I get all these things. So I guess I'll just get this other movie. And then it's just like, now I'm stuck with a movie I don't really fucking want. Yeah. Like the, there was just a couple times and it's just like, and then I watched things. It's like, well, I own it. I should give it a watch. And then it's just like, I don't like this. And then just like, and it's like, I spent $30 on this. Yeah. I could have bought myself fucking bread or fucking bananas or whatever, you know, I could have got groceries instead of like, I mean, I like to, uh, you know, I try to be, I try to be a little more selective. Like I, I'll find a director I really like and just try to make sure I have all the Blu-rays from that particular director. Thing, things like that. Yeah. Not just like, because it exists, I have to buy it. Well, I mean, that's definitely my shift. Like, you know, I, since I've moved, I've probably bought like four or five Blu-rays tops. Yeah. And it's stuff that, like, either if I haven't seen, it really interests me, or it's something that it's a movie I really love. And, like, you know, I've kept all my Giallo Blu-rays just, I mean, just because. And, like, but I didn't get the new Blade in the Dark 4K thing because, like, when it came out, I was like, I don't really want to spend 40 bucks on this. There's another, there's an, that's another point uh, comparing records to Blu-rays or to, you know, physical film. Um, with records, I you know I know that there's not just like a new format that's gonna come out that's gonna make me want to rebuy every single fucking thing that I own. Yeah, and you know that's gonna make everything that I already own obsolete soon. You know what I mean? It's actually with and with records, you know, if there's a repress, you know, years later, um, you know, it's always preferable to have the original version. Whereas here, you know, it comes out on Blu-ray, Blu-ray, and you've already had the DVD. Well, it doesn't mean that the DVD being the you know the original is ever going to be like worth more or sought after it just kind of becomes a piece of junk well yeah um so we're kind of seeing that now from blu-ray to 4k and everybody's making the jump and you know you're starting to get those where every every you know new thing that comes out has both the blu-ray and the 4k things like that are happening um i don't know it just yeah it well that's the thing because like with records like as you said like yeah someone can do a reissue and they can make a deluxe package or whatever but, like, if you already own the record and you own original first press, you're more likely to keep that. Whereas, like, you know, I know people that still have VHS collections. And, like, you know, I, I've been on record. I think VHS was never a great format. But it was it was the format for many years. But I understand why people collect them because of the box art, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, there's something kind of cool like that, cool about that. DVDs never really had, like, that. They just, they as a format, it looked better. DVDs always look like shit. Both both the on screen and casing, you know, yeah, the, the cases. It was just never great. And you know, Blu-rays look good. And like, I don't have a 4K player yet because I don't have a 4K TV. Yeah. And like, I don't foresee me getting one anytime soon. I gotta get a PS5 soon, so I'm gonna have that. I think I think they're 4K. Ah, you're probably right. So. But the thing is, right now, at least for now, most labels are doing 4K with the Blu-ray, which kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. you know because it's just because i think even though people were starting to buy 4k it's not really it's not really solidified market 
Plus, when you go to places like Target or Walmart or whatever, they still sell DVDs. Like, they'll have more DVDs than Blu-rays in their section because most, you know, you know, regular non-collector, like, boutique label collecting people buy DVDs. I mean, dude, go on Twitter and look around and, and find all the people saying, like, who buys... Who buys blue, who buys anything? Who buys any physical media? The most people think we're fucking absolutely insane. And they're kind of not wrong. And like because then the thing that will Don't we'll, you have don't you have streaming? Exactly. Now, you know, streaming is actually part of the reason what kind of killed like when streaming hit and it became big, it actually killed the DVD market. And by killing the DVD market, it actually changed how movies were going to be made, you know, because mm -hmm. there's a clip of Matt Damon on Hot Ones, and he actually explains it, what happened to, like, the mid-range kind of, like, you know, I don't want to say indie movies, but, like, you know, the more art house movies. Because what would happen was, yeah, they would spend anywhere from 20 to $50 million on, like, a smaller scale art house movie. And it might not do great in the box office, but it would sell a fuck ton of DVDs. But then once streaming came, the market changed. So because that money was there, it changed. It became like either your movies are micro-budgeted or your big fucking like superhero movies. Mm -hmm. So like streaming changed all that. And like the thing is like, well, you know, I can just watch shit on streaming. The thing about streaming is streaming's curated and sometimes not very well curated because there's a whole world of film history that is not on your fucking streaming service. You can own four or five different streaming platforms. And you will not be anywhere close to owning, like, or being able to watch anything you want. Yeah. At least legally. We're going to pin that because, like, this is, this is something where people don't talk about. So, a lot of people are like, well, I don't have to worry about it because I own it on Blu-ray or DVD or VHS. The problem with all those formats is they're not, they're not infinite products. They're not going to last forever. Their disc rot is real. And... Basically, the shelf life of most like DVDs and CDs and stuff is like a decade. Yeah. And obviously, there's things that last longer. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that have like, oh, I have this CD for 20 years and it still plays fine. That's cool, but like that's not the norm. Um, I can use as a good example. I try to watch my DVD of The Departed and it stopped working. Like it just would not play anymore. It wasn't scratched up or anything. It was just done. The disc was bad. I mean... That's pretty, I mean, the amount of money I've spent on fucking Criterion Blu-rays, that's pretty fucking sad to think that I won't be able to watch them in 10 years. I mean, it, that might not be the case. Like, some might just keep going or whatever, but it's just like some, there's like one of the most infamous things where like Laserdisc had disc rot. Mm -hmm. Like, the the Criterion version of Crash on Laserdisc, the first version before they did the Blu-ray and stuff, like, it was pretty notorious for like those discs having disc rot and just were unpl unplayable and that was like the only place you had the Cronenberg commentary and stuff like that so like you know physical media is not going to last forever like you can say you're an archivist but like you're not the library of congress library of congress is like saving like you know kind of master of film prints and like audio recordings and stuff like that and they have it in like a secure vault so it like it's trying to be a real archive mm -hmm. you owning a dvd yeah in a way you are but like you know there's one day you can pop in that disc or it doesn't work or format changes and your player stops working and you can't fucking play it right now 
if you get a 4K player, you can at least play DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K on that. I'm sure a DVD will look like absolute shit on a 4K player on a 4K TV, but you can do it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like one of the things I've also kind of avoided. Now, during the DVD era, I had a region-free player, which in case I'm sure most of you know, but a region-free player basically means you can play any DVD from around the world because movies are typically region-locked. Like, U.S., Canada, I think, was Region 1. And other countries was, like, I think, Region 2. And you also have PAL format, which is the U.K. format. So there's a lot of things. But if you had a region-free player, you can just play whatever the fuck you want. Which was cool because I'd start buying movies that, like, I had on VHS but hadn't hit DVD in America yet. And every single time I bought one of those discs, a month later it got announced for release in the United States. I remember, like, I was getting all the David Cronenberg movies. I got, like, The Brood. I got Naked Lunch. I got a bunch of stuff. And I was like, shit, yeah. I got all these Region 2 discs. They're, like, pointless in, like, like a month or less. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I have not got a region-free Blu-ray player. Because it's, like, I'd be too tempted to get shit. And then I know the second I'd buy something that wasn't available here, it'd get announced. I think that, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's fair though. Like, uh, they're just much better about spreading that stuff around now. Like, they're not trying to. It's just nothing seems to be gate kept in that sort of way anymore. Like, if it if it's it may come out a little earlier in a different country, but you're gonna get it here pretty soon after. So that's I th- I think you could just pretty much count on that these days. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a few exceptions. There's things that like here are like in legal limbo. Like, mm-hmm. there's you know, right F- Fright Night Part Two, which. I don't even know if it's an authorized Blu-ray over in Europe. Sounds but like you need a VPN. Try Star VPN. Try Star. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. How did just turn this into a VPN commercial. I don't know. I mean, if, uh, if you are a VPN company and would like to kick us some money, please <laughs> sign up now. Anyway, but I mean, no, it for, you know, it's I don't think Fright Night 2 is on streaming. Someone's illegally ripped that fucking Blu-ray and put it on YouTube, though, which kind of comes to the other thing about... You know where most of the stuff is going to live that isn't in like an official archive, like, you know, Library of Congress or like if it's film prints. That's the other thing. It's like I have friends, know quite a few people who collect film prints and all that. And like, you know, that's another aging format. But I feel like that's kind of the bigger baller move. You know what I mean? But, you know, if you own anything pre-83, there's a chance or if it's on Eastman, it's faded. The shit can go vinegar and it can fall apart, you know? So it's like... Anything you collect, like even your records, if you play your record enough, you're going to wear the grooves and then it's not going to sound the same. You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's the problem with any analog format, really. Mm-hmm. Same with VHS. You play a VHS tape to death, it's going to fucking, you know, lose its color, lose its tracking, get all digital, like, not digital, but you know what I mean, like staticky at times. And obviously DVDs and Blu-rays and that doesn't do that, but again, you know discs can fail this can go bad and at a certain point it's just like i don't know so i have i'm not anti-streaming i actually think streaming is pretty cool and i mean i wish like there was more variety but like at the same time it's like streamers are only going to put up what they think people are going to watch and what's going to put up numbers you know and that's kind of like the same mentality of boutique labels. They're going to, when a boutique label, like some labels, like bot own the movies outright. 
or some movies, some labels license a movie for five to ten years. You know, a lot of stuff Criterion puts out, like, if they don't own it outright and they're doing, like, studio stuff from, like, Paramount or Sony or stuff like that, they probably have, like, a long-year license, which isn't cheap. So they have 10 years to keep making discs and all that before it goes out of print. But, like, this, you know, there's a calculated risk on how many Blu-rays you print up. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, you know, a lot of Blu-ray companies were doing, like, runs of, like, two, five, maybe 10,000 of stuff. But they weren't numbering them because it's just, like, they're just basing the average. What made it sell more is that, like, oh, if we just put down what we would normally do as our 2,000 Blu-ray run or disc run, we make it a limited edition of 2000 or 1500 or whatever it'll sell more even though the calculated risk is that they've you know done some internal number crunching and realized hey i we're probably only going to sell about this many copies anyway so that's all we're going to get printed up well I, uh one thing i'm thinking of uh that's that is beneficial to the, something that is beneficial because of the physical media is that this stuff kind of uh, funds uh, the cleaning up of, of old archival materials and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, this stuff would just be sitting in a vault somewhere and just rotting forever. So they're able to just grab it and clean it up, digitize it for, for future generations. Whereas, cause this stuff, no matter how, no matter how well you take care of a piece of film, uh, eventually it's going to go away. Yeah. Eventually it doesn't exist anymore. So to be able to digitize this stuff and clean it up and all that is, uh, is it doing a huge service for us all? No. And I, and I 100% agree to that because and, like, and I think that, you know, just creating the, the physical media is, is what funds those endeavors in the first place. Yeah. I mean, like so. it's, it's more the labels are archiving stuff and like the labels, like if they own the negative to something like they're going to protect that negative and like, they're only going to like, they'll have it to go scan because the best source to do a scan is always going to be a negative. But, mm -hmm. but even that again is, is going to eventually waste away. Yeah. So, I mean, like you gotta think anything that's on nitrate, like mm -hmm. nitrate, I'm surprised there's still nitrate prints left because like it's just by the nature of that format, it deteriorates. Yep. And like, it's just like, you know, all that Eastman film stock that was used in like the seventies where all those film prints turn pink, you know, not all negatives are on that. Negatives are usually on like a low fade stock, but like you know, there you gotta think there was like a good period of time where like it wasn't until like the eighties that they stopped using it and started using low fade stock, so we would stop doing that. But even then, film prints can still fade a little bit. But yeah, it's like the thing is like own you know a lot of labels now you know, own their own scanners and all that and do their own work. So it's like, you know, it, 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 I agree with you. It's funding like, you know, saving, preserving and restoring films, which is fucking really important. And, you know, I think one of the flip side of it is like, once you spend like tens of thousands of dollars on doing that, you need to have a return on it. Otherwise you're just throwing your money away. Right. And that's, I think that's the end game with it. It's like, you know, the slip cover is just to get, if the slip cover makes you, makes someone buy something to help like make something break even or turn a profit on, you know, having the rights, restoring all that stuff, I think it's worth it in the end. But, you know, I just, I'm just at the point where like I've gotten choosy in what I'm buying. Right on. Yeah. And, I mean, what is, yeah. What, what, what are we getting at here? I, you know, I personally don't, I don't see anything wrong with collecting necessarily. I just hate when you, 
when something sells out and I can't get the thing that I wanted. So that's kind of my main point here is just, (laughs) I'm upset. And, uh, you know, just like you, I am an avid collector and I am also completely insane. Yeah. I mean, collecting, you have to be insane to collect shit (laughs) because like at the end of the day, it's like you have all this stuff, but then what happens to it when you're, when you're dead? Fucking bury me with all this shit, bro. I mean, I guess it's biodegradable. Just dig a big ass hole and fucking push my whole apartment into it. (laughs) Just just pile the fucking criterion discs on there. Uh, But going, kind of going back to what you were saying about the restoring and the scans and all that stuff. Here's something that's very interesting. And like, I don't think the labels really promote this part, but like they also license their scans to streaming services. Mm-hmm. Like Shutter had like all that's all their scans that go on Blu-rays and shit like that and 4Ks, those exact same scans are being what's streamed on Shutter or okay. like anything like that because that's another revenue stream for them. So it's like it's a means to end. Like you need both yeah. because like you know it's like right now we're in the probably the biggest boom for the Blu-rays. It's kind of like where it was like when Anchor Bay and all that shit was popping. But, like, I also feel like there's probably an implosion coming at some point. It's yeah. like, you know, what's going to be the point where what, what gets released that people get pissed off and say, fuck this, I'm not buying this anymore. Mm-hmm. But like, it always happens, you know. There was a point where people, like, clearly did, like, I don't know if it's a new format or just people just, like, get fatigued from it. And this is not to be a knock on any labels or whatever, but it's just like, you know, at a certain point, when does, like the quality over quantity kick in. Cause I think there's plenty of labels that do quality work and like all they put out is like stellar shit. But then there's also like the fucking shotgun method of just putting out a ton of titles and, you know, divide and conquer that way. Like, I don't know. And you know, if you're a collector, just, you know, tell us your thoughts on it. Like, why do you collect? What, what is it about it? Like, is it really the slipcover that makes the movie for you? Or is it because you love the movie? What happened to you in your youth and what void do you need filled that compels you to collect at such a high volume? What is, what is wrong with you? You should go see a therapist. Yes, we all should see a therapist. I mean, I'm fine. Not your criterion collection does not say otherwise. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I mean, I know you're kidding too, but like it, you know, what is the impulse to collect? I I guess even if you go to the primitive times, people probably collected stuff. There was cavemen collecting rocks or fucking skulls or fucking pelts or some shit. It's called being a hoarder and it's a disorder and I'm rhyming. (laughs) Did you do that intentionally or was that just completely on accident? happened, man. That's a, you know, I didn't like it either. (laughs) Oh man. But you know, I, I, I think at the end of the day, it's just like, I'm just at a point where like when fucking there's 40 new releases a month, I'm okay buying none. And, but if you're buying all 40, that's fine too. More power to you. I don't, that's like, that seems like it's like at least three grand a month. Like I kind of want your job if you can afford that. Uh, and I'm not being facetious by saying that. It's like if you're if you can comfortably live spending that much money on physical media, you gotta be doing okay, right? Sick, sick. Or you're going, or you're going into incredible debt, which I don't know. I mean, I'm I guess I'm being a little facetious here, and I'm not trying to put anyone down because like 
I don't, I just, I don't know. And it's just like, I guess maybe because I had like a question of mortality and like space and all that. And just like, it just, someone told me, you know, as I was moving all that and I was getting rid of stuff, they're like, it's just stuff. It's like, yeah, there's cool stuff, but at the end of the day, it's just stuff. And what is the, was, was the bigger meaning? Like, what does that stuff mean to you? And to me, at least right now in my life, the stuff means it's just, it's just shit my way. And as you said, or fucking paraphrase Robert De Niro from Heat, if you can't like get up and walk away from it at like any second, you know, what, how, I don't, what, what, I don't even know the context. What was the point? Yeah. What's yeah, the what's context the, of that? I don't, I don't know. know. I, uh, I, never, n- never get attached to it. I don't know. Don't get, don't get attached to shit, bro. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's just like, you know, I mean, besides getting rid of Blu-rays, I got rid of books. You know how hard it is to fucking get rid of books? Yes. It, 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 <laughs> yes, it, I do. Like it's the, another thing I collect. Yeah, it's the, the one, that's the other part of physical media, which is, like, impossible. Like, you know, you can sell your records, you can sell your DVDs and Blu-rays. It is fucking hard to sell books. Yeah. And I don't know why. I mean, I guess, like, it's just, it's different i mean it's physical media it's no different than a blu-ray or a record you know it's just something you read but i guess maybe because of the density and all that i mean are you creating you know in your in your personal space in your in your lair in your home in your apartment are you are you just creating like an external version of yourself you know you're just creating shelving of like books and blu-rays that you love and it's just like if if someone just came by and looked at all this stuff they would know who i am man i you get, know i guess that's what it is maybe it's just like you know you collect things that represent you or you collect things because you want to be the one to have it because if you don't have it it's fomo just take all my fucking records and all my books and all my blu-rays and feed it into fucking ai and then let that live on as me in the future. And if I do that, though, I mean, all the shit that I collect is so terrible <laughs> that it would just be this monstrous fucking AI. Uh, oh. So it's like, it, it's not really a, ref- well, I don't know. Yeah, but on one hand, it's a kind of a reflection of who I am. I don't know, man. It's fucked. It is. <laughs> that would be fucked. <laughs> yeah, that's fucked. I mean, it, you know, it's like, you would think as someone that programs films that I should be constantly like watching and that kind of stuff. And I am, you know, well, not right now. I just, I'm just watching fucking just wrestling crap at this point. <laughs> yeah, dude, you have me on that doink the clown. I mean, we'll, we'll hit that on rewatch listen, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I mean, I mean, it, I think the other thing is it's as much as I love movies and I show a movie every week, I think just maybe that's part of my mentality is like, maybe I'm just personally burned out from maybe not, I don't want to say movies in general, but just like it's it's a different ball game where you're just collecting and you're watching stuff, and then when you have to present it, and like you know, I I used to my excuse for buying so many Blu-rays is like, well, I gotta watch stuff because I'm gonna try to find new things to screen in the theater. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, is that is that really real, or is that just like me just giving myself excuse to buy shit that you know might look cool, but I don't actually need. But, you know, I'm I'm only speaking for me personally, as Nick is only speaking for himself personally. And, like, if you collect, it's it's fine. You know, it's just, and I, this is more of an existential crisis as podcast or just, just something just to think about. Because it's just, like, I don't know. Because, like, I just remember when vinyl became big. 
Because, like, there was times where, like, you know, I remember going to Amoeba and just, like, oh, I can, like, find, like, this fucking used, like, Swans record or Hooster Do record. And it would be there. And it wouldn't be that expensive. Now to buy a new LP, because that's where, that's mostly what's at Amoeba now. They don't really have a big used section anymore. I mean, I know they still have used records and that kind of stuff, but, like, it's primarily new releases or reissues, right? Yeah, it's his, uh... And, I mean, a fucking record now costs, like, anywhere from, like, 25 to fucking $40 for just a single LP. And, yeah, I get it. It's got, like, a nice cover, and it's, like, colored vinyl and all that shit, and I get it. it you know, it's the collector mentality, but it's just, like, I also can listen to that same record on streaming. And I'm probably more likely to listen to that record on streaming because I don't really sit down and like put records on when I'm at home or whatever, you know, I have a shitty little record player that I got and I have listened to it and it's been nice. I put on my jazz records and things like that, but it's just like, overall, it's just like, it's not where I'm at because like most of the time I'm in the car or I'm going for a walk and you know, that's when I'm listening to music. It's like when I'm at home, it's just like, it's, I don't know just a different mentality. And I guess it comes back to streaming because every, because people always say like things cannot be on streaming or like, you know, because if not everything's on streaming and like things can get pulled off streaming or they can get changed on streaming case in point, French connection and that alternate cut that we talked about in the last episode. However, and this is going to be the controversial part, maybe for some people, it's like, where can I get access to music and stuff that isn't streaming online? torrents and fucking rare files and all that shit is still out there so everything that people act like don't exist does exist maybe just not in the most legal manner and that shit's never going to go away unless the internet goes away so like you know there's physical archives and then there's internet social media kind of archives where things are uploaded again this is not legal shit and where you stand but like Shit's out there, you know? You know, there's like... I mean, there's music I have because I rip my records. Like, I had a record player that I could plug in my computer and rip MP3s of. I did that for a while, but it's like, you know... Back in the day, there was records that you couldn't find, but on the internet, people would post up fucking, you know, rare files of shit that, like... Oh, it's this Punk 7-inch that, like, I can't afford because it's a $1,000 record. But someone put the fucking MP3s up there, you know? Yeah, do you find that shit on a fucking blog spot? What? Yeah, it, of course. I mean, that's the other thing is just like, you know. Now everybody just puts, now everything like that is also just on YouTube to listen to. Yeah. But I would, but I prefer to find the, the MP3s if possible. So that way when that YouTube link goes away, I still have it on my fucking hard drive over there. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I have an Apple Music subscription and my girlfriend gave me like a link to her Spotify. So I have, you know, both st- st- streaming platforms and there's shit that's not going to be ever on there. So I still have a hard drive of music, but at the same time, it's like that hard drive fails. That's gone. You know, it's like at the end of the day, nothing is permanent. Everything will eventually fall apart. And hell, dude, fucking film really hasn't even been around that long yeah you know it's just and and you know we're, we're gonna try to preserve all this shit but like how long is any of this shit gonna be around no i mean in that, fi- if 500 years are people making films it's an interesting thought 
No, I mean that's a fair point, and it's just like you know the world the world and technology is going to change. I mean, what, what's AI? Oh, we're not going to be here, but AI will. What's AI going to be doing for art in five hundred years? I mean, to just, entertain itself, probably nothing. Probably <laughs> yeah. just just creating like a fucking never ending loop. Yeah, just like if enter, you know, eventually. I mean, now that now we're getting into nihilism, <laughs> and like, like we're not going to be here in five years. Is that what I said? Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> the human race will be gone in five years. That's my prediction. Well, if anyone can find this podcast after that point, you could, you could be like Nostradamus or be the the fucking prophet of doom that called it, you know. But I mean, the thing that at the end of the day, ultimately, if you collect shit and it makes you happy, and like, you know, that's that's something that fulfills your life. That's awesome. Whether it's Blu-rays, VHS, records, fucking Fabergé eggs, Garbage Pail Kids, I don't know. Video games. Video games, yeah. You, people people do like other things. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I threw in Fabergé <laughs> eggs. People, There are th- other things that people actually do collect. Yeah, like I mean. Cars. Well, that's true. I mean, I mean, there's just different levels of it. Like, if you're collecting cars, like. like you're this Jay Leno. I guess you are Jay Leno or a fucking rap star or something like that. But, like, I don't know. Or there's people who collect shoes. There, there's people that, I mean, I'm talking about, like, like, all those classic Nikes and stuff like that. There's people that anything can be collected, ultimately. And, you know, I'm just, I guess, personally, like, you know, I'm in between worlds of, like, do I really need this shit? And like the the same time is like if I go out of my way and spend thirty bucks on a Blu-ray of a movie that I may or may not actually ever watch, does it even matter? Or if I watch once once, does it matter if I ever see it again? I have a copy on my shelf. It's like, yep, I have a copy on my shelf. If I ever want to watch it again, and then I die and I just never watch it and just sits on my shelf. I mean, that's a. I'm not saying I'm gonna die, but I'm saying like, that's a real thing to think about because it's just I don't know. Just crazy, existential, existential. If I could say that word, just I don't know. You still didn't. I know I didn't. <laughs> existential, existential. There we go. Speaking, speaking proper English and saying words correctly. Not my ballpark, but you know, I, I guess the bigger point is just like as I've gotten older and worlds changing and stuff. It's just like I still like movies, and. I'm going to always collect stuff because that's always been in me and I'm, you know, in different ways, but it's just the same time. It's just like, I don't want to feel like I have to have something. I want to own something. That's the difference for me. If I feel like, well, I have to have this so I can like be better than like the people that don't have it. I'm not going to get that shit. I'm only going to get shit that like I want that matters to me and fucking God forbid I'll watch more than once once I put it on my shelf. So this is just a rambling discussion on Blu-ray collecting mentality and all that, you know, just doing something a little different. Cause like this has been on my mind and this is just based on things I've seen people post online, people getting upset, you know, Oh, I didn't get this clear slip cover cover so I can see the invisible maniac cover, turn the woman naked kind of thing, which they outrage over people like, oh, I didn't pay six bucks for this thing. I didn't know what it is kind of thing. I don't know. It's, I think there's, I think collecting can be good and I think it can be bad. And I think like it also, it can 
bring out the worst in people on top of it. But also, it's like, you know, it's also, it's a fun hobby. And just like, at the end of the day, is it really that serious that you don't own Irreversible with that slipcover? I think that someone should sell that to me at a reasonable price. Um, I think that if you have something that I want, you should sell it to me at a reasonable price. And if I have something that that you want, I'm better than you. And that's my final thought. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Anyway. If you're still listening at this point, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, I'll be re-watching and listen here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. This is Pioneer Home Theater with laser disc images 60% sharper than most VCRs. The world's leading AV receivers. Speakers customized for home theater. And a big screen picture that's real as life. From the leaders in audio and video. Home theater so advanced, you don't just watch it. Renting videos shouldn't be a game of skill or luck, and it's not at Home Video Express. You'll find over 10,000 videos, including a huge selection of current releases, plus one-day advance reservations and the fastest, friendliest service. So don't worry about missing the movie you want. Check it out. Plus, look in this month's Tacoma News Tribune for coupons that'll get you a year of free movie rentals. And be sure to visit Tacoma's newest superstore at 64th and Pacific during the grand opening celebration October 10th through the 17th. Welcome back. It's now time for... On the Cinematic Void Podcast, where we talk about all the things we've been reading, watching, and or listening to since the last time we recorded a podcast. All right, Nick. It's only been a week. What have you been reading, watching, and or listening to? I've been reading a book called Overlook by Matt McCusker, uh, the stand-up comedian, uh, and it is actually a fictional book about living in Philadelphia, which is where he's from, I believe. So I don't know it's it's fiction, but I think it's he. I, I think he's secretly the uh, the main character here. But uh, but yeah, it's a cool book so far, just about living in the slums of Philadelphia. Just it kind of feels like uh being back home. Fucking watch I haven't watched it except for the uh Dark the Clown episode of uh Dark Side of the Ring and maybe the uh, a little bit of the um I forget the guy's name. Fucking some Edward something. Oh was it the Grizzly um Grizzly Smith one you were watching or was it a different one? <laughs> the Grizzly Smith. No, I've never heard of that in my life actually. Dude, no. that that Grizzly <laughs> Smith was Jake the Snake Roberts dad. And, really? And that story is fucked. Grizzly Smith yeah, fuck. Dude, he came. To, he would come to the ring with a bear, and when you lost, no, he would no, unleash no. the bear on you. No, 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 no. It's like the the shit he did to his kids and all. It's it's fucked. Uh, I haven't watched it except for that during the clown episode, but it's really great. Um, I I didn't know that much about during the clown. I didn't know that it was multiple people. Uh, and I didn't know that there was one particularly notorious uh, doink. All very interesting. Uh, and that's it for watch. Uh, listen, I've actually, I've been listening to all the uh, the Wire singles that are on streaming. There's a there's actually a ton of uh like pre Pink Flag era Wire, and then a little into the Pink Flag, and uh, even a little beyond of just like great singles and B sides. Some of those singles are like different versions than than actually ended up on Pink Flag that are I think are like cooler versions. Uh, super worth checking out. And I've still just been listening to uh Crime. That San Francisco's doomed LP. That I think it's just like a reissue of the uh, like a crime collection of the the singles, and then the uh, uh, and then the LP. Um, but that shit's fucking just rad and filthy punk from the seventies. 
Um, and that's about it for me, man. All right, Reed, I actually got something. I pulled out the the book Cannibal Holocaust and the Savage Cinema of Ruggiero Diodato. Um, it's basically kind of a collection of interviews and then like, you know, kind of like talking about the movies he made. And I, it's a couple interviews with him at different points in his career. Plus, yeah, obviously his filmography pulled it out just kind of right before, um, screening house on the edge of the park. I've had that book for a while and it's just sat on a shelf, you know, like the Blu-rays I don't watch. I have a bunch of books I have not read. So I pulled that expensive one. book. Is it? Well, I guess if it's the one I'm thinking of, I just know that there's like this giant cannibal Holocaust book. It's like really tall. Yeah, that's the know? book. I, I got it. I actually got it a couple of years ago when Severin put out House on the Edge of the Park on Blu-ray for the first time. And it was it's signed by Diodato because he was still alive when it came out. And just like it's, it's really good because he's definitely like an interesting guy who's got some fucking demons in him. Right on. Clearly, if you've seen his filmography watch you already mentioned uh dark side of the ring that doing the clown episode about wrestler matt Bourne, who was like kind of a big wrestler and he came to wwf and kind of made that gimmick his own and then like his again we just talked about personal demons his personal demons got in his way and just it's it's wild because i as a kid i never realized that they replaced him yeah like just never fucking knew and then the fact he's like going to other like but then when he was in like ECW and shit it's so sick yeah like that that shit's fucking crazy because he's like deconstructing I, the fucking yeah and I, I actually had no clue he was ever part of ECW or any of that stuff so that I thought that was really fucking cool and then like you know Vince McMahon trying to sue him for using like a gimmick he owns and then he's like well you owe me money so Vince's like fair enough then just like they just dropped and just let him keep doing fucking doink yeah is I don't know it it's when I saw that ep- there's a couple episodes coming up with this on this season that are just like oh shit I mm-hmm. just I don't know it's it's been really good so far the only other thing I've really watched of note is um my girlfriend Leslie and I had a virtual date night and we watched Renfield on Peacock uh Reinfeld Reinfeld yeah Reinfeld you know Jerry Reinfeld you know Dracula's assistant who also is a stand up com- no I mean you know Ren- Renfield is like I think Cage. Is having a ball being Dracula. That's like the biggest selling point. It was fun. It was the, it's not the greatest thing I've ever seen. Not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's just like, cool. it's 90 plus minutes. Who directed that? Um, I forget the guy's name. Uh, I, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but uh, I know friend of the void, Caroline Williams from Texas Chainsaw Massacre two has a little role in it. So it was kind of nice. cool to see her pop up in it again. Fun. You know, that's all I can say is just fun. Listen, there's some stuff, but what I've been listening to is that Heaven Ward record that you talked about in last episode that can kind of been just, you know, putting it on from start to finish. Cool. Like, feels pretty good, and then kind of repeat, like, later in the day. Not consecutively, but, like, definitely on heavy rotation. Heavy Sleeper, um, those, I guess their last two EPs, Chime, which is the most recent one, and Alive and Well, which was the one right before that, that I kind of like a little bit better, but they're both pretty fucking sick. And I don't know if it's legit or not, speaking of streaming and all that, but, like, uh, the band Grief's discography is now on streaming. There was, you know, Come to Grief and, like, things like that because they were on, like, bigger, like, Century Media and, like, Southern Lord. That stuff's been out. But, like, they were on um, Pessimizer, which was the old kind of, how would you say, punk hardcore crust label that was run by Chris Elder of Despise You. I guess it was a split label between the other, another label called Theologian, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know how. To, I don't even know if Thulgin still exists. Uh, old California kind of punk hardcore label. So, um, Pessimizer hasn't existed in a long time. So I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see like those Grief records pop up. I mean, I already had them on my you know hard drive and on my iTunes, but they seem a little better. They're not really remastered. I'm pretty sure whatever fucking waveforms they had is what's uploaded. I mean, again, could be not legit and it could be gone within a fucking week when someone's like, hey, that's not your music, whatever. But I don't know. Been throwing all those tracks. So, yeah, that's what I've been reading, watching, and listening to. Um, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Cinematic Boy Podcast. If you're a Blu ray collector or if you're just an avid streamer, tell us what you think. Where do you stand on the collecting mentality? Uh, we, we do want to know because what we shared is just our personal opinion. And. That's about it. We're not trying to, like... Well, maybe Nick is. Nick wants someone to fucking sell that irreversible with a slipcover. So, if you have one at a reasonable price, hit Nick up. But until next time, see you in the void. Is all this exciting programming available now? Really? Super concerts by top entertainers, blockbuster films, both current and vintage, cooking lessons, documentaries, how to do a tennis, golf, swimming and crafts, cartoons, the arts, NFL football, interactive discs, all of them and more, and far less expensive than pre-recorded videotape.